Welcome to Catch the Fire Toronto's weekly sermon podcast. This message was recorded live at Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada. We hope you enjoy it. My joy and privilege to start a new sermon series this month, in the month of July, um, talking about loving our city. And I, today I'm going to sort of do an introduction of um, seeking the welfare of the city. Then I'll talk next week about the power of blessing. Ash is going to talk about the power of hospitality and fellowship and friendship the week after. And then Steve is going to preach and then we'll uh, wrap it up the following week. So um, it is, uh, it's a good day to be alive, isn't it? Good. I love, I just love being in worship. I, I so enjoy it. But anyway, I want you to turn with, your, in, with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 29. Um, this is going to be up on the screen as well, but we are going to read a, a short passage of Scripture. Contains a, contains a very famous verse that lots of us like to quote and enjoy. Um, but let me give you a little bit of context. So this is a, a letter written by the prophet Jeremiah, who was a prophet to ancient Israel in the moment where a lot of the Israelites uh, went, from, went into captivity from Jerusalem into Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. So the king and the, uh, the, the queen and all of the officials, uh, everybody went into exile into this place, Babylon, that was actually such a, uh, it's epitome of wickedness and um, lawlessness that in Revelation, when, when uh, there's a description of the world system and the lawlessness and the, and the reality of what life is like on earth outside of Christ, the city is, is called Babylon, right? So the, it's a, it's a, it was a place known for a lot of uh, wickedness and, uh, and you know, ungodliness. And the, the, gentle, the uh, Jewish people had gone into exile there. And so I'm picking up a story in verse 4. Um, And this is a letter that's been written by Jeremiah to the people that were there. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles from Jerusalem, sorry, all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Just a quick pause. What, what he's saying there is in the, in, there was a bunch of prophets that were all prophesying the wrong thing. They're all prophesying what their hearts were desiring, which was that they would go back to Jerusalem. And so the prophetic words is, you're not going to stay here for very long. You're going back to Jerusalem. Don't worry about it, boys and girls. Verse 10, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So the title of this message 
is seek the welfare of the city. And I just want to, I want to unpack a few things that uh, is, you know, in this word. So as I said, it's God's word to the Israelites who had gone into captivity. Just remember in the context of this word is that they're in a place that is foreign to them, where they are in a culture that they do not like, that it's ungodly and it's anti their culture. They're in a place of captivity, so they're not free to do what they like. They haven't chosen to be there. They've actually been pushed there and taken there in, in exile as a consequence of their sin. And so the word of the Lord to them as they're living among a pagan and godless people, you could imagine in their hearts, says, I don't want to be here. I want to be back in Jerusalem. But this is what God says to them. Settle in and do normal life. So my first point is this, that God's call for each one of us is not that we live in a place where we are set apart in a sort of a Christian enclave, but we're actually together in the culture and in the city that we live in. God's word to them was increase by building houses and dwelling in them. This is verse six. Get married, have kids, increase, do not diminish. And so this is God's word to us, I believe applying to us is, he's saying to them, saying to us, don't be outside of it, be part of it. Don't just wish that you could be, you know, in your own little world, on your own, in your own sphere, but actually I've put you in a place where I'm calling you to be a blessing, to, 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 to be fruitful, to multiply, and to, to stretch out where you are. Join in, don't separate. For all that's going on in our culture, I think it's a great temptation in all the things that we see and we look around in our culture and we see things that we really don't like. It's very easy, it's very tempting to say, I just want to go and be in my own little world. I want to find my Christian friends. I want to live with my Christian people. I want to come to church and be here and thank God for church because I've been in such a place of wickedness all, day, all week that I've got to come here and, and experience God. But what, what, what God's saying to the, to the Israelites is, be there, be in it. Don't retreat. This kind of reminds me of what Jesus said in, Matthew, in um, John 17, where he says, be in the world, but not of the world. Our call as believers is to live in our culture and to live in our society, to fully participate in all that's go go going on, to to love people, to build relationships and connection and do our work and do the best that we can and live a life that's godly and peaceable and, but in the same place, live a life of, of you know, and display uh, for, for the Lord. Paul says something similar in 1 Timothy chapter 2 where he says, please pray for all kings and rulers in high places for this purpose, that we would lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. God's call to us is to be part of this city and to be part of this community and to make a difference because we have the kingdom of God on the inside. So we're called not to be alone, not to be recluse, but we're also not called to be just like everybody else. It's that dimension of living in the world, being part of what's going on, part of the society that we live in, but because we've got God on the inside making a difference. The second point I want just to draw out then is this, in verse seven, he says, seek the welfare of the city. The call of us as a church is not, again, not just to be in a little enclave on our own, but actually God's called us to be here in this city for such a time as this, to be, uh, you know, in this history of this church and then and other churches in this city to actually seek the welfare of the city. That word welfare actually in the Hebrew means shalom. 
That word shalom in the Hebrew is nothing missing, nothing lacking, complete, sound, whole, and, um, you know, goodness in relationships in every dimension. Finances, health, phys- you, know, um, re- you know, relationships in the spirit realm. We're to seek the completeness, the welfare, the peace, the soundness of the city. That this city would lack nothing of God. What would it look like if this city lived in the shalom of heaven? What would it look like if there would, there would be no crime, there would be no addiction, there'd be no struggling with false identities, there would be no unemployment, there would be no uh, abuse, there would be nothing. It would be peace, it would be whole, it would be complete, it would be glorious, it would be heaven on earth, right? And so we're to seek the welfare, we're to seek the peace of this city, this city that we live in, in Toronto. And so what does he say? He says, um, seek the welfare, seek the shalom of the city. The second thing he's then within that, he says, is to pray to the Lord on its behalf. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. Because here's this, in its peace, you will find peace. In its shalom, you will find shalom. In the welfare of Toronto, catch the fire, we will find peace. And God's calling us to seek the welfare of this city. As we bless the city, we will be blessed. As we invest in the city, God will do amazing things through you and I, as a community together and as us as individuals. So what does it mean to seek the peace, the shalom, the welfare, the soundness of the city? What does that mean? Well, I think there's lots of things we can talk about and we'll get into some of it next week and into you know, following weeks. But the first thing I felt like uh, is important and it's linked to this idea of prayer and praying for the city is to take ownership for the city in the spirit realm. You know, God has given us the city. He said to Joshua, everywhere that your feet will tread, I have given you. I was reading um, just uh, uh, sometime in the week, um, we were in a meeting and somebody said, turn to Joshua, this particular passage in Joshua, and I, I turned to it, but my eyes are lighted on it where God says, there is much more land to take. You have not yet fully possessed the land. And God's desire and God's purpose is that we would seek the welfare of the city for the purpose of, of um, seeing the kingdom of God break in and we would do that by praying into specific issues and taking ownership of the city in the spirit realm. Just a little example of that, you know, we, in, in Raleigh, Durham, uh, where we just moved from, we've got a ministry called Embrace, which is um, a feeding and discipleship ministry into some of the poorer parts of the city. And there's one particular uh, street corner that, they, that our team ministers to. Um, and uh, it's one of them, it's the most dangerous street corner in uh, the whole of North Carolina. And um, there's lots of shootings. There was a moment, a couple of uh, falls ago, where there was a uh, shooting every single day and a massive increase of violence. And we as a church, we, we, we gathered together. It, just on a Sunday morning, we prayed for God to, to shift the violence. And you might call it coincidence. I believe it's God moving. But there was a decrease in the amount of violence and shooting and crime that happened. Why? Because we sought the welfare of the city and we took ownership of that in the city, in the, in the spirit realm. 
And so you and I, collectively together and as individuals, we can take ownership for our city. We can take ownership for our businesses. We can take ownership for our schools. We can take ownership in the spirit realm for our universities and our institutions. We can take ownership of those things because God has given us authority in the spirit realm. So we're to seek the welfare of the city by praying for our city, by praying into the specific issues of our city. The other thing that we can do is to serve our city. And we serve our city in a, way, in a language and in a way that our city can understand and experience and, and enjoy. And one of the things I love about coming into this, this, this church is the great flow of us as a church over the years seeking the welfare of the city already. You know, different events, different ministries, different things that we've done, people in the community that are working for things, places like Scott Mission and other, other places, uh, other ministries. But we're taking our city under our wing. And so for us collectively, we've been, uh, over the last few years, we've been serving in Rexdale. Rexdale is a, a suburb just north of here. Uh, and it's the Rexdale or North Kipling community. Apparently it has the highest unemployment, highest crime, lowest average income, and the highest new Canadian rates in the whole of the GTA. And the Lord's put it on Stephen Sandra's heart and others' hearts over the years to serve our city, to bring the kingdom without an agenda and build trust. So over the last year, we spent 40 Sundays over um, working with uh, the vaccination clinic in Rexdale, giving away coffee, water, granola bars to people in the line, but also serving free meals every week to the staff just because we love them, because we want them to be blessed and we're seeking the welfare of the city. This summer, I just want to just make a, a brief announcement in the middle of this. This summer, we're having a partnership with the Rexdale Community Hub, along with some other organizations. And what the Rexdale Community Hub wants to do is to do pop-up market, pop-up uh, events, farmer's market, uh, other things like that every Saturday. And so we as a church, we've got a slot from 11 till 2 every Saturday starting um, uh, July the 30th, although there's a practice on, the Ju on July the 16th. But from July the 30th, we're going to be uh, meeting, we're going to be going there, a team, our, our, our team going there to uh, face paint, to give free hot dogs, to do balloon um, animals and, you know, have a band, just have a, have a jam, have fun, bless our city. We're also going to take our Spirit Cafe team. The Spirit Cafe team are those uh, people that have been trained to really do the prophetic and dream interpretation and healing in a way that our city can receive. So it's things like, you know, obviously dream interpretation is pretty straightforward, but spirit readings and, um, uh, you know, healing spirit blessings and those kind of things, which is really just things like prophecy dressed up for somebody that doesn't know what prophecy is. And so we've got that and it's really exciting because it's another way that it's come about because we've built trust with the city. It's another way that we get to serve our city and seek the welfare of the city. And if you're interested in joining, you can go to the uh, Welcome Center at the back and sign up there uh, starting July the 16th, which is two Sundays time, but fully into July 30th. It's I think for the whole of August. So we're to pray for our cities. We're to seek the welfare by serving our city. We're also to be salt and light in our communities. You know, we've been given the keys of the kingdom. We've been given the life of heaven in us. And so our call is that we would um, shape the values and culture in our cities and our businesses and our institutions towards health and wholeness. 
It's not that we're looking to Christianize everything, although we want everybody to be saved, but we're actually bringing the kingdom of heaven and the perspective and the values of heaven into our city because we carry God's heart. So our call as a people, our call as a church, is that we would seek the welfare, the shalom, the peace of heaven in our city. We would seek that and we would pray for our city. Why? Why would we pray for our city? Well, it really links back to God's heart. You know, we've been having communion today. We've been celebrating the reality of what Jesus has done for us on the cross by coming to this earth, by living a life that we couldn't live in perfection to God, by uh, giving of his life and shedding his blood and allowing his body to be brutalized and mangled and broken and beaten for us and then to be nailed to the cross and then to, be, and to die on our behalf and then to be raised back to life. And in his life, we now have life. His love and his heart is so great towards us that he gave himself for us that we could no longer have to live in sin and shame and guilt and condemnation separated from the Lord, but we get to live with him for all of eternity when we say yes to him, free from all our accusation based on the performance and the life of Jesus. But that's God's heart isn't just for us. His, God's heart is for all of humanity. God's heart is for the people of this city that do not yet know him. God's heart and his desire is that they would come to know him and to experience him and to see him for who he really is and to walk in the freedom that he has planned and desired for them. The city that we are, we cannot love without God's love. There's a guy in, uh, I think the 13th century, John Dunn Scotus, he said this, he said that we are co-lovers of God with God. In other words, we love, the love that we have is God's love. So when we love God, we love God with God's love. When we love each other, we're co-lovers of God, of each other with God. In other words, when we love each other, we love each other with God's love. But then we're co-lovers of our world with God. In other words, with the love that God has for our city is he, what he pours out and gives to us that we would experience that love, walk in that love and give that love away. And so I want you just to, I want to take a little moment. Let's turn to Jonah, the book of Jonah chapter four and we'll have a very quick look at the, um, God's heart let me, while you're turning there, and it's going to go up on the screen in a minute, let me give you a bit of context. Those of you that have been around church for a while, been to Sunday school, you probably know the story of Jonah. It's a little bit of a bizarre story, but it's a true story because Jesus himself, who is truth, referenced it. And, um, and it goes like this. The beginning chapters is God chose, calls, says to Jonah, hey, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, which is a, a city. Tell them how wicked they are. And tell them that judgment's coming. So Jonah's like, no way, I'm not doing that. So he runs off in the other direction, gets on a ship, going to a place called Tarshish, and he falls asleep, and then there's a great storm that comes, and long story short, they just, they, the, the, the crew people determine that he's the problem, and they throw him overboard. He gets thrown overboard, and he gets swallowed by a giant fish. And he spends three days in, the, in this fish under the water, and um, in the middle of that fish, he's like, Gee, you know, he's sing, singing the praises and, and, and telling God how amazing he is and how merciful and gracious he is. And, and then he gets spat out from the, uh, from the fish onto the shore and he experiences God's mercy. And so he goes to Nineveh. He's a good boy this time. He thinks he probably shouldn't, shouldn't you know, push his luck too far. So he goes off to Nineveh and he walks into the city. It's like a day's journey. So obviously a pretty big city. And he walks in and he, and he says, hey, everybody, God's going to get you. You've got to repent because the, the judgment of God is coming. And they all repent and the whole city 
turns to the Lord and a whole city you know, realizes what they've done wrong and they, and they, and they repent. And, um, and, and God sees that and he's kind and he decides, you know what, I'm not gonna punish them after all because of the way that they've responded. Jonah is mad. He's fit to be tied. He's super angry. So we pick it up in verse, in verse two, we can see how angry he is when he prays to the Lord. He says, oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. I got out of here because I knew what you were like and I couldn't cope with it. It's basically what he's saying. What are you like? Well, I got out of here because I knew what you were like. You're a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. It's ironic to me that just a couple of chapters before, Jonah's got this great you know, song of praise where he's saying, oh God, thank you for being so kind and so merciful to me. You picked me out of, the, out of the, the depths and you've set me free and I'm all good. And now he's doing the very same thing to other people and Jonah's mad about it. It's like the very mercy that Jonah himself had received that he was so excited about, he didn't want anyone else to receive. And I don't know about you, but for all of us, for me, there's a danger that I walk in the mercy and I enjoy the mercy of God, but I don't want to give that mercy to other people. That I don't like it when God's merciful and kind to other people. I want mercy for me and judgment for others. And I'm sure this is just me. I'm sure you're not like this at all. But, you know, when, I, when Ash and I moved here a couple of weeks ago, we're living down near High Park. And, you know, it's kind of a, a good city area. And... Um, you know, I, I realized that we've been living in the South in the Bible Belt of, you know, of, of America and people look like me and they talk, well, they don't talk like me, they talk a little bit, you know, slightly different, but you know, um, you know, but they all, a lot of people look the same and so you're walking downtown and there's people that look different and they're wearing funny clothes and, you know, there's some people, you know, they're, they're, they're wearing a flag that maybe I, you know, struggle with and, you know, there's just these different things that like I'm, I'm kind of, I see that they look different, they, they've got tattoos and they've got nose rings and they've got strange hair and some of the people, are, you know, they're wearing weird clothes and, and I'm like, I'm walking around and all of a sudden I realize after about three days that I'm just judging a lot. You know, and God says, God says to me, hey, <clears throat> you know, the great calf of Jesus, you know, it's like, uh, hey, hey, son, you're, you're being really judgmental here. And I had to repent. I had to stop in that moment and go, oh, gosh, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry, because the Bible says man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. And I'd spent the last, those two, three or four days walking around, looking at the outside, going, sinner, sinner, widow, gosh, what are you doing? That doesn't look good on you. You know, and just basically being very judgmental. Forgetting the very reality that if it wasn't for Jesus and his blood for me, if it wasn't for his extreme love that he demonstrated to me, I would be in the same place as they are. And the only reason why I'm here and why I'm free and why I'm, you know, got an eternal destiny is because of his goodness and his kindness and his love. And so therefore, the very same love that found me and met me and, and, and wanted to pour out his love on me is the very same love that wants to meet every single person in the city of Toronto that doesn't know him just yet. No matter what orientation, no matter what religion, no matter what they wear, no matter their socioeconomic status, no matter their, their gender, no matter what, God's love for God so loved the world that he gave his only son and he came to seek and to save the lost. He came not for the righteous, but for the unrighteous. He came for the city of Toronto. He came for you and me. 
Now, Mo, um, Jonah, he continues to be mad. He's pretty angry. And so what does he do? He decides, you know what, I'm going to go to the city. I'm going to go outside of the city. I'm not going to be part of that city anymore. I'm going to go to the outside. I'm going to, and he built himself a little shed, a booth, and he just sat there waiting to see what's God going to do. I hope the fire and the brimstone's coming right now. The fire of God come down on judgment on that city because they all deserve it. Miserable sinners. Forgetting that he needed grace himself. And so God, what does God do? God makes a plant to grow up over him and a nice plant comes up and gives him shade and he's, oh, this is so good. I love this shade. This plant's amazing. It's so good. And then the next day, God appoints a worm to kill the plant just to make Jonah's life miserable. Not only that, then he sends a, it says he sends a scorching hot wind and the sun beats down on Jonah and then Jonah's like, I want to die. I'm miserable. I'm here. I'm waiting for judgment. No judgment's coming. What on earth is happening? Get me out of here. And God says to him this. Verse 10, he says, The Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. In other words, you didn't have anything to do with this, but you're still angry about the fact that it's not there. It happened overnight, but you're still angry. But then he goes on to say this, and should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and much cattle? Right here, we see God's heart for the city. What God is saying here is there's, 120, there's over 120,000 people in that city and they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what their life is like. They don't know their left from their right. They've got no idea that there's a better life. They're just stuck in this rut and I have mercy and of compassion on them. I have great pity upon them. You know that God loves the city. God loves cities. He absolutely loves cities. He wants cities to prosper because they're full of people that are made in his image and in his likeness. And so he says, but not just the people, but he mentions cattle. Well, why on earth would God mention cattle? Well, I believe it's this, that the cattle represents the economic system and the food system of the city. So in other words, God's not just interested in the people, but in the culture and the environment and the, and the economic situation for that city. And God wants to bless both the people and the economy of that place. God loves cities. God loves the city of Toronto. Kind of reminds me of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, and we haven't got it on the screen, but basically what he says is he had compassion. Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion upon them because they were helpless and harassed, or harassed and helpless. In other words... He looked past the outside and exterior to see the reality of what their life was like. And the word, um, the word uh, harassed in the Greek actually means to flay or to skin or to mangle. You flay a cow, you take its skin off, you mangle it. To vex, to trouble or to annoy. The word helpless in Greek means to cast down, throw down, throw to the ground, set down hastily without care or fling with a toss. 
It's like thrown down. And so what does Jesus see? He looks past the reality of their lives and he sees that for those that don't know him, they are mangled by the enemy. They're fling, flung around by culture. They're in great distress and great trouble. They're in a desperate need for the compassion and the mercy of God. Do you know that the people in, the, in Toronto, whether they know it or not, whether they know it, they're actually, everybody, the Bible's very clear that those that don't know Jesus are under the power of the devil and therefore they are flayed and mangled and thrown down and the Lord has great compassion and great desire to see them come out of that place. 1 John 3 says this, that, that God came to, Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. That word destroy in the Greek means to untie. Therefore we've been untied from the work of the enemy and he wants, by the blood of Jesus, he wants all of Toronto to be untied from the work of the enemy and to come into a place of freedom. And the thing for us, the challenge for me anyway, and I'll just put my hand up here, but I think the challenge for all of us is to learn how to not be judgmental, but to live in the reality of the love of God. Now, I'm not saying there's no place for speaking the truth. It's right that we stand up for justice. It's right that we stand up for truth. It's right that we you know, seek to disciple people into the kingdom. Actually, the very best way that we can seek the welfare of the city is to actually disciple people out of darkness into the kingdom of light. The very best place, the very most fruitful thing that we can do in seeking the welfare of the city is sharing the gospel with our neighbors and our friends and our co-workers because they're going to come out of darkness into light, out of the power of Satan, into the power of God. But our prayer, our desire is that the Lord would continue to reveal His heart to us and pour out His love to us, not just that we would be enjoying settling down in the city, but in living in the city, in the place that we live and the place where God called us to, to, to prosper, that we would prosper, but in prospering, we would actually see many, many people come to know Jesus and the welfare of the city would be blessed. We're not talking just about individuals, sorry, as about us as a church collectively. Collectively, we can seek the welfare of the city together. But individually, you can also seek the welfare of the city. You can seek the peace of your business. You can seek, seek the peace of your neighborhood. You can pray. We can love people. We can build relationship and connection. We can pour out the love of God. We can pray for the sick. We can do all of those things as seeking the shalom of the city. I want to invite you to stand if you would, please. God's word to us is this. Seek the welfare of the city. What was Toronto's original name? The, Toronto the Great. The Good, right? Toronto the Good, sorry. Toronto the Good. God has a desire and a purpose and a passion for the city of Toronto. Our call is for this, is, and it's not just for this church, but for all the churches, is to see the city of God, the new Jerusalem, the new Toronto, coming down out of heaven, full of the life and the perfection and the glory of God. And our offering back to Jesus is a city that is full of the kingdom of God. And so I, I want us just to take a moment here just to take, do some business with the Lord. And as I've been speaking, maybe there's some of us here that are like me 
that are a bit judgmental, that see someone loudly proclaiming a different identity or sexuality or see somebody loudly proclaiming a different religion or uh, atheism or you know, just the desire for wealth and prosperity and success or whatever, and we can look at them and be judgmental. But it's very simple, it's just asking the Lord for forgiveness. Repentance is just means a mindset shift, it means turning the other direction in our minds. And so if you feel that way, if you feel like you've judged too, too easily or you've lacked love or there's a lack of apathy or you haven't really seen people the way that Father sees them, I wanna invite you just to pray this simple prayer with me. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And the truth is, Lord, I've been judgmental. I've been apathetic. I haven't seen people the way that you see them. I've looked at people on the outside, not on the inside. And I've written off far too many people. Please forgive me for my lack of love. And I ask that you would fill me now with your love. Please forgive me wherever I've tried to lead and love out of my own strength. Please fill me with your supernatural love and birth in me a deeper love for the city of Toronto, for the, uh, the GTA, wherever you live, and uh, for the lost and for the broken. And that you would give me eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand your passion and your ways in Jesus' name. Let's just say one more thing together. Let's just say shalom to the GTA. Shalom, City of Toronto. Peace be unto you in Jesus' name. We hope you encounter God and were inspired by this message today. To watch video of this message and other messages from Catch the Fire in Toronto, visit catchthefire.tv. Catch the Fire has churches, schools, events, missions and media all around the world. To find out more, visit catchthefire.com.